Welcome to another episode of Encounter Grow Witness, a podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit, where Beth Spazarni and I, Father Steve Polis, talk about uh, what it means to be joyful missionary disciples in the field of our parishes and all the work we're doing here in the Archdiocese to unleash the gospel. So, Beth, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Fantastic. I was going to say splendid, then I thought, let's calm down a little bit. Yeah, probably. I'm fantastic. Pull it back Not a little, splendid. rain it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're blessed to have with us one of uh, one of our great pastoral ministers here, uh, a man I, I'm blessed to call a friend for a number of years now, Mr. John Laginus. John, how are you? I'm great, Father Steve. I'll even go with splendid. I'm, splendid. I'm one All coffee right. into it, so I can, I can claim splendid at this point. So. Oh, Right, that's fantastic. I think um, it's a uh, it's a great day here in Detroit. A great day yeah. to uh, follow the Lord and to know His blessings yeah. in our life. I know uh, this year has been a transition for me coming to Sacred Heart Seminary and teaching full time. And one of the beautiful things about teaching, so just a blessing in my life, has been learning material kind of in a new and deeper way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the axioms is if you really want to know something, teach it. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I'm learning that uh, uh, new this year. So teaching a mm-hmm. couple of courses for the seminarians and mm-hmm. causing me to study it and learn it a lot more. So that's mm-hmm. been a real blessing in my life. Beth, anything uh, anything any good news in your life these days? Good news in my life. I'm... That's tough. Um, I think for me, what I've been appreciating most this year is just getting up in the winter and going outside, going for runs um, a couple times a week. And I just feel like I'm going out to discover beauty in the world. Like the sun is just rising. The snow is beautiful. Wow. It's that might be the most exciting. optimistic Michigan winter outlook I have ever be. heard. <laughs> That's probably true. But there's just something so beautiful. I, yeah. I just feel like it's, it's just my time with God when I get up and I get to go run in the crisp morning air and the sun is just coming over the house. And my 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 neighborhood isn't that magical, but it it feels pretty lovely in the morning. So yeah. That's great. Uh, John, Beth, and I usually talk about just God's grace in our life. We didn't yeah. tell you this beforehand, but anything uh, you want to share, putting you on the spot here? You know, there is definitely grace in a beautiful, crisp winter morning. And mm-hmm. I'm, I got into running... Allegedly. A, I, Allegedly, uh, there's grace in that. Like, I got into you running myself a couple years ago, and so yeah. I definitely appreciate that. Um, I really do appreciate Michigan winters from the indoors, though. They, yeah. they, it, <laughs> They're the lovely, snow is so beautiful this morning when I looked on from the inside. It yes. was glorious. Yeah. Yes, um, it's true. No, new grace, I would say, today, and maybe what I'm thankful for is um, got to spend, you know, uh, last evening the uh, the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if we're time referencing <laughs> this, but uh, we're recording the day after a uh, The morning after wins. the Super Bowl, yeah, Matthew right. Stafford. Yeah. 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 But I uh, got to spend that with uh, some great friends. And I'm, mm-hmm. I had one friend reach out to me this morning and just remind me that our friendship was unconditional mm-hmm. and that the, the love that God has shared between us um, never goes away. And so mm-hmm. being able to, you, you only have, I think, certain opportunities to have a friendship at really that that kind yeah. of yeah. level. So um, just getting that message mm. to start the morning really kind of made this a, a yeah. good yeah. start to a day. That's so pretty awesome. Good. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Beth and I were talking about just, you know, because the goal of this podcast is to walk with a company, our pastoral ministers all throughout yeah. the Archdiocese of Detroit, and maybe those of you who are in other dioceses or other apostolates who are listening Um, But to talk about, you know, how we can do that best in times 
that uh, are not always perfect. Because it's easy to be a disciple when we are loving the crisp morning air of uh, winter, <laughs> wh whatever that's about. <laughs> um, but it can be challenging when that morning doesn't look so crisp or when the air is a little more biting or yeah. when the sun isn't shining, um, when the snow is a little grayer than white. Um, and, uh, you know, one of those times can be transitions in, uh, in pastors. And I know, yeah. you know, both John and Beth have gone through that uh, pretty acutely and um, mm -hmm. the graces and the challenges that that brings. So uh, I think our goal today is to talk about um, the graces those bring and, and how to work through some of those challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, this might be good just to kind of get a little foundation of, uh, you know, John, I have uh, worked with you for the last few years at St. John Vianney in yeah. Shelby Township. And, yeah. and uh, you know, you and I both, but you more so being there full time, uh, went through a transition with the pastor. Would you mind just kind of telling us a little bit about uh, about Father Tim? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I, I arrived at St. John Vianney in 2014, and the pastor at the time was Father Tim Mazur. And uh, Father Tim and I also went back quite a ways. I was in seminary formation myself for a few years. That was part of my uh, discernment path. And so I first met Father Tim um, through then, um, it had been at the point I sat down with him, it had probably been 20 years wow. since we had seen each other yeah. last. So we were kind of picking up anew. Um, and we, again, we just talking about friendship. We had one of those kind of spiritual brotherhoods that kind of went across mm -hmm. the decade, so to speak. So we hadn't seen each other in ages, but we picked up as if we were, yeah. um, you know, had seen each other the day before. Hmm. And, um, you know, we had in the interview process and, and kind of discussion, um, we really kind of, we saw that our connection was pretty profound and it looked like it was going to work out. And I had told Father Tim, look, I'm the kind of, I'm the kind of guy that I really feel like if the Lord brings me to a parish, mm -hmm. I'm most often, I really feel like he's brought me there to serve that priest and mm -hmm. to really lay down my life for that priest. And so I told him, I'm like, I'm the kind of guy that. I will run through a wall for you, um, yeah. and I want to, you yeah. know, kind of lay my ministry at your feet and do whatever you, um, whatever the Lord, you know, kind of puts on your heart that we need to do mm. it. But I'll give my all. And he said, "I really appreciate that, John. But uh, if we're gonna, if you're gonna run through a wall, we're gonna run through it together." Wow. And uh, that was the the time of ministry with Father mm. Tim was a profound gift yeah. um, in a lot of different ways, and mm. we walked through. A lot of joys and victories. We walked through a lot of sadness, a lot of hurt. Um, it kind of mm. spanned the whole thing. Um, in so, so, sorry, you you came there in 2014, correct? Father Tim came there, I think, a couple of years. Yeah, 2010. That. 2010. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay. okay. And uh, so, in November of uh, 2019. Um, Father Tim went to a dentist appointment. He had just come back off a pilgrimage, uh, parish pilgrimage to Rome that was truly like one of the highlights of his priesthood. Like he just came hmm. on a off, like he was on the mountaintop, yeah. right? He was yeah. just, he was floating on air. Um, and literally about three to four weeks after that, he went into the dentist routine appointment and uh, he called me and he said, hey, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to cancel. We had like a Thursday evening mass. He's like, we're going to have to cancel mass or find another priest on the quick. He's like, I went to the dentist and they found this spot on my x-ray. 
and they just they want me to go mm. get it checked out. And I, I said to him teasingly, I'm like, Father Tim, you just got to stop chewing rocks. You know, like I was just mm. kind of being goofy, like yeah. plenty of times we had been before. And he's like, yeah, actually, I think I think this is more serious. Turned out to be renal cancer that had wow. uh, traveled to his jaw. Um, wow. And then we, he went through uh, about a year and a half, well, yeah, about a year and a half of different yeah. treatments, wow. some of which were more effective, some of which were not. Um, in the middle of that, obviously, was mm. the pandemic. Oh, um, gosh. And that kind of ebbed and flowed and uh, kind of with his sickness. But I would say most of that time he was not able to, to minister in the way that he really wanted to. He was really mm. limited either by the treatment or the side effects or um, mm. even just the kind of journey through the treatment. Um, and then in April of 2021 on the Easter vigil, he went home to the Lord. And wow. he was uh, 57 years young. Wow. And yeah. it, was, uh, it was something that certainly was... Mm overwhelming I think to the whole parish because for most of us um, we really didn't have a chance to connect to him again mm. in the ways that we would have wanted to wow. he had a though he had a profound opportunity to be able to have a lot of conversations um, heal some past wounds okay. in his own yeah. life yeah. Um, and definitely he left with a profound sense of peace. Actually, mm. it was probably one of the most beautiful journeys I've ever walked with anybody through cancer and going home to the Lord. Yeah. Um, mm. I could only wish that I would have the opportunity, you know, at the end of my life to be able to have that kind of meaningful presence to people, to be mm. able to, you know, say some goodbyes and heal some wounds. Mm. Uh, it really was profound. But yeah, so then that left wow. us. Um, well, well, just a word on that. I remember, you know, because I go to John Vianney as my weekend help. So yep. I, I'm there, you know, helping out uh, most weekends. And uh, I was there for the Easter Vigil Mass because yeah. Father Tim, you know, was was in the last part of his journey. Yeah. And mm. I remember, you know, you came up to me during the Mass and handed me the note that he had passed away. and. I remember wow. feeling this great sadness yeah. mm. because I, I really loved Father Tim, yeah. like everyone at the parish, Amen. but also feeling this kind of like how beautiful mm. that yeah. like Jesus's victory is what we're celebrating here, right? Yeah. His ultimate mm -hmm. victory over death. Yeah. Uh, we're celebrating at the Easter vigil, right? That in the darkness, in the darkest time, mm. that the light of Christ shines mm. and that that's the time that Father Tim is being united to the Lord. I just thought, you know, what a beautiful, it, as a priest... What a beautiful time to go mm. and meet the Lord. And, you know, it was too soon um, for mm. for many of us. Uh, it felt too soon. But mm. the fact that it was at that time was, yeah, just, just something really beautiful about that. Mm. It was profound because he had, in the closing weeks of his life, he, you know, he was making the arrangements for his funeral. And he had a profound desire. And he said it a number of times to myself and one of his good friends, Mary, that I need to make it to Easter because mm. I need an alleluia at my wow. funeral, right? And wow. so um, and wow. I had felt my phone going off during the, the Easter vigil, and yeah. so I kind of picked an appropriate moment to tuck into the sacristy, and uh, I realized that um, mm. uh, in kind of going back and forth with uh, his friends who were with him when he died, that he 
probably passed away right as we were doing baptisms yeah. uh, wow. at the Easter Vigil. And it was one of those moments where mm. I was really kind of consoled, I think, in that moment, too, because, okay, Father Tim, he got everything you wanted, including, <laughs> like, wow. if, you're, if, if he would have picked a moment to um, choose to go home to the Lord, it's mm. not only, you know, Easter, but um, those baptisms on Easter Vigil had a really special place in his heart. It was yeah. really a moment wow. that he connected in a deep way to his priesthood. So for that wow. to be yeah. probably the time wow. was just profound, for yeah. sure. Wow. So, uh, I mean, mm. you were the pastoral associate yeah. at the time. Yep. Uh, there was not another full-time priest there. No. Nope. I mean, Father Joe Malia was helping as the administrator, mm. but he had his own parish Yeah. <laughs> he was running. Yeah. So I really think, you know, you were the one shepherding the parish through... That time wow. of Father Tim's sickness, and then kind of in the midst of all the sadness and the funeral and all that, also kind of the transition to a new pra- a new pastor coming in. Sure. Well, you know, again, the best analogy that I can give it is is that um, in many ways uh, a parish staff very much in a, a parish community in general takes on those characteristics of family, hmm. and so. Just like in any one of our families, if somebody's sick, if somebody can't be to the family what they want to be, everybody picks up and they yeah. do whatever's necessary to carry each other through it. And I really feel hmm. like that's in a beautiful way what happened at St. John Vianney. From the moment Father Tim learned about his illness until he went home to the Lord and even after the fact, we carried each other. Mm. And um, in it, yeah, in maybe a, a lot of administrative ways, um, a lot fell on, you know, my position to, you know, mm. do a lot of the coordinating that Father Tim wasn't able to do during a sickness. And then, you mm-hmm. know, certainly in that transition to a, a new wonderful pastor, um, administratively a lot fell on that position, but I, there was never a moment when I felt like I was alone in that yeah. in any way, shape, or form. I really feel like our whole team and our whole parish really rallied around each other so that when we, you know, when Father Jim Grau, um, our new pastor, arrived uh, mm. that July, I feel like we were ready in a different kind of way because we had been together. And uh, wow. um, Father Joe Malia and Father Jim also were incredible shepherds to us. Because one of the things that um, Father Malia and Father Grau um, reminded us constantly is is that as much as we were trying to do for Mm -hmm. the parish and for um, the whole community, we were also in a grieving process ourselves. And a pretty profound one that none of us could probably truly appreciate um, how much we were grieving. I know, I don't think it really hit, hit me until... Probably even a couple, like four or five months ago, like how much um, that process had taken a toll yeah. on me, wow. you know, and how much I still had things I needed to kind of let go and give I'm over sure. to the Lord. So, wow. Yeah, you, you talk about well, the administrative leadership. I, I also remember the all the little things that anyone in parish life would know, right? Like we were doing outdoor confessions at the time, oh, and yeah. you're setting the cones up and <laughs> oh, unlocking doors, oh and my gosh. you yeah. know, setting up the church for uh, taping off pews and setting the um, you know the markers for all that COVID stuff wow. where we were really yeah. intense about social distancing and right. so all the little things too, right? That sure. anyone in a parish knows, like. Yeah. You know, look around like, oh, who's going to do this? Oh, I guess I'm going to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, especially during COVID, too. That was oh. the the kind of 
double whammy of it is, mm. you know, at one point it was myself and the, the business manager. Right. Like we had really pushed everything remote that we could. And so it was just the two of us trying to figure out an entire COVID response plan and, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, again, wow. making sure somebody went into the office and pulled the mail, you know, like all the, <laughs> right. all those little details. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, so, I mean, that's wow. a pretty intense experience of change um, and, and loss, right? Yeah. Loss of a friend, loss of a boss, loss yeah. of a pastor, yeah. um, and helping to walk a whole parish through that. Um, Beth, you also have a story that's a little different. Yeah, pretty uh, different. <laughs> pretty yeah. different at yeah. Trine because you came in under one pastor and yeah, pretty soon true. within a year. Yeah, within a year. So yeah. can, can you share with us that story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, now Bishop McClory, of course, um, at the National Shrine of the Little Flower Basilica, um, can I'm, I'm glad you can say that all the whole in like thing. one you know, breath. You, have to. you know, I, I, kind I of never was doing get it. that right. I was doing it as an homage to him because he always does the whole thing. Does he? Even in um, his video when he they were announcing that he was the bishop and introducing him, yeah. he managed to fit in that he w- he was coming from being pastor of the National Shrine of the Little Flower Basilica in Royal Oak, Michigan. <laughs> he fit the whole thing in, so I was kind of doing it for That's him. That's great. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, so I was brought in with him, and then within actually it was six months. It was six months in. Wow. They announced that he was moving um, to become the bishop, and then we had no pastor for a couple of months while he kind of transitioned and yeah. prepared to, for that. And then it was, I think, I, I think it was, it was not until February that that Father Horn, of course, was named. Mm-hmm. Maybe a few weeks prior, and then it came. So, yeah. Yeah, big transitions. I think Shrine is a little unique because they've had a, a two-year pastor transition every two years for the last long while since yeah. Monsignor Easton, who passed away suddenly. And so I think that, yeah, there's 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 pros and cons to, of course, having that much transition. People are used to it. They're not surprised. But there also can sort of be a resistance to being led, perhaps, because they don't, they have the cynicism that you're going to leave to. Yeah. You know, you're only here for a couple of years. So yeah. that can be a unique challenge. But uh, yeah, for me, I mean, I moved my whole family. <laughs> so right. I moved my whole family for this job. And right. then and then six months in, you know, you know, so, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot there. I was thinking about this, too. I the parish I was at before St. John Vianney was St. Andrew in Rochester. Mm-hmm. And what I hired there under one pastor mm-hmm. um, and within a month uh, he was gone. Oh my gosh! And within I, a month, I think oh, I went through dear. six different priests. Oh really? my gosh! In my time, I, I was there four years, and I think we went through six priests. Um, wow! Because after the first pastor left, then um, then uh, Monsignor Monfortin, right? Oh was yeah, and he was there just a short while. He was there a couple months, and then there was then, uh, then he then got he was named a bishop. Yeah. Oh my gosh! In Steubenville, and then yeah between administrators and all all the different transitions yeah, yeah. so been wow. through it a few times and you're right. right i think it's one of those things where after you've been through it a few times at least you understand the dynamics a little bit better but it, it's mm-hmm. still a grieving yeah, yeah. and it's a grieving yeah. not only for you as a minister but certainly for that community too and it's that tricky balance yeah. that we all experience uh working in you know ministry is is that there's that grieving that you have to go through for mm-hmm. yourself and you have to you, you, do. you have to have good spiritual direction you have to pray you got to take time to grieve well mm-hmm. um but then also that tricky balance of then being there for that community yeah and being a stabilizing mm-hmm. force mm-hmm. for that community and yeah. helping other folks grieve while you're grieving yeah and 
we know this in our families too. We all do this, right? We, mm-hmm. we grieve together. And I think that one of the things that I've seen in the various pastor transitions that I've watched is when, when you're first conscious that it is a grieving process, that really helps. And mm. when you treat it as such, I think that's important. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we see the, this as a, you know, ad- administrative change and what's this going to mean for my position or what, how's this going to affect, you know, my relationship with my pastor. And that, those are mm-hmm. all, those are all practical elements to it, but also you've lost, you know, yeah. even what, even if you had a, a really strong or maybe not a strong bond with that pre- prior pastor, um, it's still a loss. And mm-hmm. um, if you can recognize that and pray through pray through it as a grieving process, I think that helps. Mm-hmm. And I think also the communities where they come together and support each other as family, mm. instead of um, maybe reflecting on the transition as a reminder of like divisions that we have, yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, the fears that we have, if we can build each other up as a family through that, then I think those are the healthiest transitions. When we struggle mm-hmm. with that, when we give in to the fear, when we give in to the, the doubt of what's going to be next, like you said, yeah. Beth, there can definitely be a cynicism yeah. that happens. Um, and even at St. John Vianney, I know one of the grieving processes was not only did they lose Father Tim to cancer, they lost their founding pastor, Father Jerry Macklick, to oh, cancer as wow. well. Yeah. And so, I mean, they're very blessed as a parish to have had, you know, basically two priests in their entire existence. Mm. Wow. But losing both of them to cancer, I know right. a lot of people mm. um, really struggled to even come back. You know, once we were kind of reopening for COVID and we were trying to encourage people to, to come back to Mass, yeah. Um, yeah. certainly people had their concerns about COVID, but also a lot of people said it was hard to be in the wow. building. It was hard to come back to church because they, the, the, painful memories were there and again for a lot of them they really didn't have a chance to say goodbye because yeah. of the pandemic mm-hmm. so that's its own grieving in itself I mean, yeah. just, just talking about grieving for a minute in the context of this change i mean grieving the loss of someone who passes away or grieving the loss of mm-hmm. um the situation that mm-hmm. you, you know we were hired into yeah. or <laughs> we kind of signed up for and yeah. um, the loss of the relationship with someone we knew mm-hmm. um I think as Christians, the way we think about grief is to honor what we've lost and to acknowledge that that's a real, a yeah. real loss, whether it's mm-hmm. the intense loss of the loss of someone's life or, or the loss of what I knew before, like I knew how to step. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also prepares us for going forward, too. Yeah. Right. So so the grieving process is not meant to just turn inward and sulk, mm-hmm. but it's right. meant to acknowledge the loss so that then we can say, OK, but. But Christ is still victorious here, mm-hmm. yeah. and Christ still has work for me to do, and yeah. so I want to acknowledge that, and then, then take the step forward as well. Yeah. Um, and the challenge will be if we don't grieve in the right way, then we can't confidently go forward, Amen. right? Yeah. Amen. So, yeah. um, so it, yeah. it's about honoring the relationship, but it's also about saying, okay, and now's the time for me to kind of take the next step in my journey and to mm-hmm. help our parish do that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just think it's also helpful just to 
keep in mind that even in, in, in that in all circumstances, right, God is still doing a good thing. Amen. God is still doing a thing. God's mercies are new every morning. And I know that I've encountered, and I, I've probably been, I've probably been people who have sat in the in the mud and said, it's all bad. It's always bad. It's going to be bad today. It's going to be bad all day tomorrow. And the next week it's going to be bad. And like, you know, I, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard this, this soliloquy perhaps yeah. in my own heart or certainly in others. Um, and so, but then like, where is our faith, right? Our faith tells us that God is always doing a new thing, that there's some good, that the, there's some movement of God uh, that is both good for our community, ultimately, there, that will come from this, or or just something that the Lord is doing in my own heart, you know? So I try to think about, well, what would my faith say to this? Or is there a new patience or a new trust or something that that could come? Um, but I, I think that I think that at Shrine, sometimes we can fall into, oh, it's just this and it'll be this, yeah, you know, right. as opposed to looking to see, well, it is this. And what is what is it that God might have for us in this? Right. How do we confidently say, I still believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land mm, of the living. Yeah. Right. How do we claim that for ourselves and for our parishioners uh, in the midst of change? One of the things that I Father Tim was a real blessing to me on was um Understanding Father Steve, like you had mentioned, how to grieve in order for to uh, allow the Lord to give us freedom to take that next step. Yeah, I remember. Actually, I remember it was a couple summers before he got sick. Um, you know, when kind of, if you will, the 2.0 version of the the sexual abuse crisis really mm. kind of the McCarrick stuff yeah, and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. a lot yeah. of that came into the media. I know that was really disorienting to me. Yeah. Um, there were certainly uh, a lot of people in a lot of situations that I was close to in, in some of those situations and um, brought up a lot of grieving for me, mm. even about, you know, maybe I had um, just still an underdeveloped kind of vision in my head of what the, the church really was, mm. right? And I wanted it to be, you know, kind of a... Um, I'm always on the winning team, right? right and right. every in and what I mean by that is not that Christ isn't going to be victorious through the church, but I just wanted things to be kind of you know in in this image that I yeah. had in my mind. And I remember it was Father Tim who we were praying together about this because it it really impacted him as well. And mm. he reminded me of something I had kept telling him. I have a very deep uh, devotion and affection for Teresa of Calcutta. Mm. And we were praying through this one day and he's like, John, you always are the one that reminds me that, you know, Teresa always said, everybody has your Calcutta f- or yeah. has a Calcutta, find yeah. your Calcutta. And mm-hmm. he's like, maybe, you know, in some ways, uh, sometimes the church can look a little like Calcutta. Mm. It looks messy. Yeah. It's very human. True. It's very raw. And Teresa didn't fix Calcutta. No. Right. What she what she was was eminently faithful. Yeah. And so no matter what was in front of her, um, she was constantly praying through. All right, Lord, where can I find you yeah. in this? And I think that that's important beautiful. for grief as well. Yeah. You know? beautiful. That's your gal, right? You that's and Teresa yeah. of Calcutta. Yeah. You guys great. were hanging out. Yeah. Nine India. months in Calcutta. Yeah. 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 yeah it's an amazing place but that that rings true right yeah. that the the messiness of it and yeah. how do we find how do we find Jesus there yeah so just uh, for for our lay ecclesial ministers and others uh mission direct people listening thinking about all the change that's going on now yeah. Yeah. right yeah maybe you're experiencing that in a really acute way with a new pastor or maybe families of parishes is kind of like 
lurking in the background that you know things are kind of changing, but you don't feel it yet, right? Yeah. Um, it's like a slow ship or a ship that's slowly turning, and yeah. you, you don't quite feel it, but at some point you will. Yeah. Uh, I think, John, your point about grieving the loss is really good, that we need mm-hmm. to take time to do that and just say, okay, things are not going to be what they were. Mm-hmm. And with a new pastor, um, like I, I'm going to miss the old pastor, and I'm also going to miss kind of like knowing how everything worked too, yeah. right? Yeah, um, true. And, you know, it's, John, you were there many years. Beth, you were there just yeah. a couple of months mm-hmm. uh, when that happened. So thinking about kind of grieving that loss, um, I, I would say uh, for maybe the, the next part too would be the importance of investing in the future. That, yeah. you know, we can feel like we're, we can be hurt or wounded through that grief. And uh, I know for myself, there can be a desire to protect that and mm-hmm. not want to mm-hmm. kind of um, be, you know, kind of invested in a way that could hurt in the future. But but we do need to kind of like look to the future and say, OK, w- what do we need to be doing now? How can we kind of work on this mm-hmm. um, transition? Any any thoughts you have about that? What worked well or or where challenges came um, for that and uh, thoughts on how our our parishes going forward can can embrace that piece? I think, yeah, I think for me, um, one, I think it, it is helpful to be able to have conversations, um, obviously with that in, incoming pastor. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things that I've tried to do in the many times I've gone through that transition is, one, to give the pastor a good sense of, you know, what what this history has been there, what has, you know, um, mm-hmm. what has been. And then also, though, then to kind of open the door. I know, like, when Father Grau and I sat down the first time, I said, I handed him a sheet of paper, and I'm like, look, this is what I do. I said, yeah. but um, as I told Father Tim, I, I'm here at the service of what the Lord's doing in your ministry as well. And I really yeah. want this to be an open conversation. How can I best serve you yeah. as mm-hmm. pastor? And I want to be that. So if, you know, if things need to change in, or in, in my position or if, if there are ways that I need to grow in my own ministry in order to support you better, I want to do that. And I mm-hmm. think, I think that, that those conversations early on in a pastor transition are really important so that mm-hmm. we establish that baseline, like, look, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear from me as, you know, an employee who's been here before that you have to worry that I'm, you know, maybe too entrenched in mm-hmm. what was in the past. I'm here at the service. And then that really gave, like in the case of Father Rao and I, a great opportunity to have a conversation about where the Lord was leading his heart and mm-hmm. how he felt about his, because he's going through a whole emotional process in that transition as well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there was a, you know, there was a real sharing there that then really helped me to understand, all right, how can I best serve? Mm-hmm. And I, I think, again, it's that family dynamic of when we, when we approach this as a family, we want to build each other up in the yeah. best way possible to move forward. So um, however, iron can sharpen iron. There, if we mm. take, if we all take that approach, then I think that makes that a less scary process. Yeah, that's beautiful, right? Because what you offered him is both your faithful service and also your surrender. Yeah, I mean that's such a gift. Yeah. to to offer. I think uh, along the lines of just kind of offering that surrender. I think the the best 
tip that I've kind of come to is just pursuing my own health, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. and and offering that as my faithfulness to those sure. around me, right? Yeah. My my own spiritual health, my own emotional health, yeah. my own um, physical health, even um, in the midst of these transitions that can swallow you. Right. <laughs> um, I think. Being able to offer that and and stay focused on that has allowed me to enter into those exact kinds of conversations yeah, without a grasping. Right. Right. And yeah. I think that I think that especially I would say at Shrine, just because we've had so much transition so fast over so many years now, I think that there can be more of a comfort level with grasping because it just I mean with within a huge parish of our size, a pastor comes in it, to to get the lay of the land quickly is going to be a challenge, you right. know. And so I think that. There can be that that inclination, which maybe is more of a fear-based, but like, well, what if he doesn't know about this and doesn't prioritize it? You know, I've got I've got to let him know. You right. know, yeah, um, so right. just how do we trust the Lord? How do we sit in the waiting um, so that we can bring then our faithful surrender um, and whatever else God might call us to next? Yeah, that anxiety about the future can really dominate our lives in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I know uh, we've all had that experience of putting off the conversation we're scared to have. Yeah. And then we have it and we're like, that wasn't that wasn't big that a deal, bad. right? Like, yeah. Why didn't I just do that on? Yeah. yeah, like why yeah. did I let this cloud hang over my head yeah. forever? Um, and we're not always able to control all those situations about when they'll happen. Right. But we can work to say, okay, Lord, I want to trust you that I don't know this pastor. I don't mm-hmm. know what he's going to change or what right. he's going to prioritize. But um, I'm not going to let anxiety kind of cripple me. And yeah. so talking about like caring for your own health, Beth, um, yeah. kind of using, yeah. seeing that as, as a way to serve the parish and to serve the pastor yeah. coming in. I think that's a great, uh, a great tip or a great, some yeah. great advice for our, our listeners to kind of take on in this moment yeah. in the archdiocese where, you know, there can be lots of uncertainty or lots of fear about how my life is going to have to change. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and kind of carry that forward to say mm-hmm. the Lord doesn't want us to be anxious about that. He wants yeah. us to be men and women about the spread of the gospel and learning how to do that well yeah. in the circumstances we're in. Well, and it's easy to fall into a pattern. I've seen it in my own ministry a number of times. What I would really like in my own mind, it'd be great, <laughs> is if I could get to a certain point where I get the thing rolling and it just kind of stays the same. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, I, I used to be a huge fan of the show The West Wing. Mm. And one of my favorite parts about um, uh, the lead character, who's the president in The West Wing? Uh, Charlie um, Sheen. No, his uh, dad. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah one not, of the lines. Not Charlie Sheen. <laughs> not Charlie Sheen. <laughs> That'd be sorry. a very different West <laughs> Wing show. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Keep that in there. <laughs> But one of the, my favorite parts about Shane's character is is that he's they'll they'll end of like this emotionally intense episode, and then his next line is always "What's next?" Mm. And yeah. I really feel like in especially nice. in ministry that that has to be at the the core of our heart is not hey I want to get this thing to a stasis point so that it can just stay the same and even though that would feel great right. and it would be a lot easier that way yeah. the lord's constantly calling us to what's next right yeah. and so that fear sets in when we feel like we had something and it might be taken away from right. us but that when i get to that point and i get to that fear that's usually a good reminder for me that number one i'm probably not praying mm. i'm probably more relying yeah. on whatever i think my great gifts are or you know right. my own strength or that type of thing and i'm not really surrendering to the yeah. lord at that moment and yeah. um i think that 
also, when we get to that point of just desiring the consistency, that also usually means that the Lord has something more for us that we just haven't tapped. And sometimes mm-hmm. these transitions give, give us an opportunity Absolutely. to see that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of the gifts that I've experienced a number of times is that that new pastor brings in mm-hmm. an entirely fresh perspective. Yeah. And I've not had it happen yet where that fresh perspective didn't open up something for the parish that was a new opportunity. Mm. And, and sometimes that something more is a change. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that happens when for a new sure. pastor comes. Absolutely. There's going to be change in staff. And, oh, yeah. and that's that's a good thing at times, sure. right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that kind of investing in the future? Or yeah, kind of, I love uh, that. That what's next. That's... That's really good. I think um, I just remember we were sitting around and uh, that when so Bishop McClory came in and did a video announcement, you know, and, um, then then the video cuts out and we're all just in the room together. You know? <laughs> did and, that really happen? Yeah. And, and I remember one of my questions was, so what projects stop and what projects keep going? Yeah. And there's really no there's no one left to answer that question. You right, know, right. Um, and so I think for me, I think another tip is just to, to continue to move forward. Mm. And deliberately, for my temperament, I also need to move more slowly mm-hmm. um, because I can m- move a little fast. <laughs> um, I, I like to say that I'm naturally caffeinated. <laughs> and people really don't appreciate it when I add more. <laughs> so I think for me, the, what I've come to know about myself is I need to move more slowly mm. um, so that I'm not getting ahead of someone who's not even here yet, yeah. so that I'm really waiting and allowing that to... But also you can't sit around and do nothing, right? right. There's right. plenty of things we know we still need to do, so... The what's next question can be answered in a lot of ways. What's yeah. next is holiness. Right. What's next is accompanying the parishioners. What's yeah. next is being faithful to what you've been asked to do to this point. Yeah. You know, that's great. So, I mean, the the way I understand this, correct me, guys, if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. it's you know, taking time to grieve the loss, yeah. um, making sure that our we ourselves are healthy and healthy in our relationships, healthy in our prayer life. Mm-hmm. And then kind of ready to move forward, you know, not uh, not grinding everything to a halt and not running ahead right. of where we need to go so that we are prepared um, to continue the work of ministry that the Lord wants us to do. Yeah. And I think I would add to that ready to move forward together. And then yeah. I think nice. that's the yeah. crucial piece. You're You're moving forward even with that new pastor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's going through his own process yeah. of both grief and make, seeing what the Lord's moving him forward in his own yep. ministry, making sure that you feel like you got you as a staff, as a community, you're doing that together along with him. Yeah. I think those are the healthiest transitions. Yeah, Absolutely. doing it together. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. One of the questions I love to ask our guests is about prayer life, right? If, yeah. um, if we're going to be able to do all these things, we're going to need <laughs> to be praying and walking with the Lord. What does prayer life look like for you? Yeah, um, it's funny because... Uh, a lot of transitions going on in my own life. And I find yeah. that when I'm in that kind of discernment transition mode, especially, um, my I tend to be very much a, either like a, um, I read a lot as a springboard into my prayer. I love Lexio Divina. Mm. I love um, different kinds of spiritual reading. So a lot of times that's a springboard for me. When I get to these discernment phases, though, I... Um, as much as I can be still, mm. it really helps. So taking, doing those, um, doing different, you know, prayer techniques that will just basically bring me to that pay, place of more like contemplative mm. type of prayer where 
all right, Lord, I've got nothing. I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to think mm. right now. I just need the assurance of your presence. Mm. And that being still puts me in a much better position to listen. Because I'm very convincing if I talk to God, right? <laughs> I've got all these great things to say that I'm sure he really right. needs to hear, right? Um, I know for me, though, in in that transition time, the more I can put myself to just be, mm. then that grace and that strength... Um, to avoid that fear yeah. really comes the most. Mm, beautiful. Uh, Beth, I'd like to ask you about your prayer in times right. of transition, but I'll share yeah. mine first. Um, you know, being a priest, having a number of different assignments and mm. and in some ways them being significant changes from being in a parish to working in the chancery, then to working in the seminary, like significant changes for me. Um, one of the things that's helpful for me in my own prayer, and John, you touched on this, was just the humility of going to prayer. And for me, that's manifested in uh, in just laughing at myself sometimes, <laughs> yeah. right? Like yeah. feeling really like I don't know what to do right now. Yeah. And going to the Lord and like, Lord, I don't even know where to begin yeah. right yeah. now. And for and yeah, so for me, that's a great opportunity to trust in him yeah um so to say like lord i am i have no idea what to do i don't even know what to be excited about i'm yeah. excited <laughs> i'm nervous yeah. um, but i don't know why exactly yet and i know i'm going to make a bunch of mistakes hmm. but i know you're in charge and yeah. i know you're lord hmm. and so it's a great for me a reset in you know you talk about kind of getting comfortable and getting everything the way you want it it's a great reset to say okay god you're in charge and i want to yeah. respond to your movements and so uh, it, it's a humbling prayer. So often it's it's not so much Lexio Divina. It's just kind of conversation with the Lord mm. and reaffirming that he's Lord, yeah. that I am not, mm. and that he can do awesome things through me Amen. because he's God, right? Yeah. So not yeah. because I got it all figured out, but because he's God. So it's this kind of trust in him yeah. Yeah. in the midst of my own weakness. And I, I find that to be really, really helpful for my prayer in those times. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I uh, think years ago I was in a meeting that wasn't going well, and I started looking up other jobs. <laughs> no one could see my screen, so that made it okay. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I heard the Lord say, "Beth, you're not trusting me." Yeah. And I, I and I was like, oh, and I closed it. And I thought, okay, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think for. I think all the things that you've shared are beautiful for praying and in, in transition. Uh, one thing that I've helped been, I, I went through a six month long transition, um, waiting to hear about something. This was years back. And what I ended up doing is I just was drawn to first Phil or Philippians, uh, four, uh, four, eight, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious. If there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so I just took one of those per week and I said, all right, Lord. And I just sat down in prayer in the morning and I said, Lord, what is true? And I just took out a whole big piece of paper and I wrote true. Yeah. And I just asked the Lord to tell me everything that's true. And I just filled mm. the whole piece of paper and I carried it around all week. Yeah, and then the great. next week I got to the next word. All right, Lord, what is honorable? What is honorable? <laughs> you yeah. know, and it was what really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is yeah. It? so? It was just that was really a beautiful thing to help direct my mind back to what is true, direct my mind back to what I should be thinking about and what I can trust in, what I can hold to, and that just led me back to the Lord. So yeah. I found that to be a really helpful thing, and I, I've gone back to it a couple other times That's as been, well. Yeah. So, like, like gone back to yeah. the, those sheets where you the wrote sheets it down and made new ones. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yep. whenever I'm waiting, like that. That anything is. that's ten weeks long, <laughs> it's pretty good fit for. <laughs> so. 
There's yeah. a uh, there's a prayer, Father Steve. You kind of reminded me of it. There's a prayer by Thomas Merton. Um, mm. That's one of my go tos, especially in a discernment or transition time. And it actually start the the first couple lines are, "My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't uh-huh. see the road ahead of me. I have yeah. no idea where it will end." Right. right. Um, but the transition in that prayer, kind of like you mentioned, is is that. But I know that. You know, the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And mm-hmm. I hope I have that in yeah. everything that I'm yep. doing. Right. So it's really putting that trust back in him that I can't see anything. I, I don't get it. None of this makes sense. But I know you make sense. Right. And I know if I keep my eyes fixed on you, right, then um, you're going to lead me not only to where I need to go, but you're going to lead me so far beyond where I thought I could go. Yeah. yeah. And, A lot of that comes out of either the two kind of extremes I see a problem in my own life and in others is the like the super confidence that I know what I'm doing all the time, get out of my way, <laughs> you know, bump on a bump, I'm here. And all of that, which I find really off putting and annoying. Yeah. And then on the other side, this kind of Eeyore complex right. of like I can't do anything. Right. Right. Oh, exactly. well, I'm just right. a, I'm just this awful sinner. What, right. what can I do? Right. And I, I you know I think the antidote to that is this radical confidence that God in his power can work through me and my weakness Amen. and yeah. that God like Beautiful. like God's got this so I should yeah. have confidence right. that he's going to work yeah. in me and so and I get to like participate in that I'm not just a bystander right, right? I yeah. get to participate in that and um, yeah and I love that mm-hmm. so I love, love seeing the victories that God works in other people but I think the things sometimes that I'm most excited to see is how God works victory in my own heart too. Yeah. And yeah. he can heal all of those things that I'm afraid of. And yeah. so that's I th- a lot of times where I find that source of confidence is, Lord, you can even conquer my own rocky, yeah. you know, thorny, stubborn heart. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I don't have to be afraid anymore. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing to be afraid of. Amen. 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 Well, let's wrap yeah. up with a little Bible trivia game because <laughs> I know John is a Bible expert. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> it's been said on this podcast. <laughs> it's been proclaimed. I'm going to print up some like... She, I know uh, Beth tells me how she knows the Bible better than anyone she's ever met. I have, ever met. That. I have okay. never Every said day that. I, That's not I true. talk to her. She's, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't. But let's just do a little fun little little Bible trivia to, to wrap up here. So, John, I'll ask you the first question. Okay. Um, what city was Saul traveling to when the Lord appeared to him? Damascus, right? Ding, 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 ding. Hey, Correct. Right. I'm sweating bullets over you're here, by the way. Yeah. You're going to ask me the same question. Yeah. <laughs> Damascus. Uh, Beth, what? how many plagues were there? Oh, seven? Nine? Nine. Nine, and then there, was, sure. then there was that last one. No, there's that, that last one. Yeah, so, so ten. So ten. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I was ready for Damascus. I was all ready. <laughs> um, John, what uh, what book in the Old Testament is the story of Samson and Delilah? Oh, my goodness. You did stump me on that. Can I phone a friend? Beth? You can. I can't help. Oh, oh man. Uh, was Samson a king? Kings. First no. Kings? First. He was before the kings. He was a... Uh, Judge? He was a judge. Oh, judges? So in the book of judges. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Okay. Can you, as a team, put the four Gospels in order based on length, the number of books? They, Mark, the is the Mark is the shortest. Mark is the shortest. Matthew's the longest. Right. John's 21. Luke's 24. 
There you go. Look at this. Wait right. right. we're, we're gonna I guess that, does that redeem the, the plague? <laughs> yeah, that's right. More of an Old Testament. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Or more of a New Testament. More of a New Testament. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put the Gospels in order based on how good they are. Uh, John. Oh, that's subjective. Yeah. Okay. Sure. But there's a right answer. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> yeah. See, I'm I am definitely a Joe and Ine guy. So okay. I would I would start with John, um, and then the uh, and then Luke, because Luke and I mm-hmm. speak a very similar kind of. It's easy for me to to dive into Luke. Um, Mark is probably third, just because. Hey, I love getting straight to the point, and Mark is—he gets right immediately. <laughs> yeah. immediately. He's not messing around. And then yeah. you don't like Matthew. No, okay. I, I like, so yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to all those folks at the Catholic Biblical School of Michigan yeah. that I used to teach for, I'm sorry. <laughs> John's saying there's three legitimate gospels yeah, that's right. and yeah. one Jeez. dubious. Oh, I, I went and published these podcasts and turned into a heretic. How did right. that happen? Uh, Beth, uh, do you have a favorite of the gospels? I, I would be John as well. Okay. I would also go John and then Luke. Huh. And then I, I love the other two both. Okay. Yeah. I think good, I would do good Mark. Good save, by the way, there with loving the other two both. <laughs> See how I just, yeah, well done. I, I avoided yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say Mark is my favorite because yeah. I like yeah. the short and I like how punchy the stories yeah. are yeah. in Mark. Yeah. So. Nice. And then um, last question, what's the longest book in the Bible? The most chapters? What's the, the shortest? The longest book in the Bible. Well, I mean, Isaiah's got 60... Plus, so that's a lot. Psalms, of course, will win the Psalms. Psalms Psalms based on chapters. Isn't that how we're doing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it by word count? Word word count, it would be different. (laughs) That would be OP, though. I mean, that would be like if you could do it by word count, Beth, you would would win the award for sure. Yeah, I don't think I can. Yeah, me neither. What's the shortest? Wouldn't that be Mark? No, it's no, got to be one, one of the, the prophets. Pa- either the prophets um, or one of the Pauline letters. Oh, of course. That's uh, it's hard to say. There's a book that only has one chapter. Oh, in of course, Philemon. Oh, Phile- yeah. Philemon. Even shorter Philemon. than that huh? is Which Third shorter? John. Oh, Third John. Yeah. Okay. Some people call it Little John. <laughs> no, actually, no one calls it that. <laughs> anyway. Um, nice. John Laginus, it's been a joy being with you and Beth would fire me from the podcast if I didn't thank you yes. for the ministry <laughs> thank that you, you do. Oh, thank, thank you, you for everything you've done and thank you for all you're going to be doing now through Sacred Heart and yeah. Thank you so much for the invitation to be with you and the, the great faithfulness that I know you, both of you bring to your ministries as well. It's a, it's a joy to be in the vineyard together. Amen. 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 Yeah. This has been the Encounter Grow Witness podcast. This is a podcast by and for those who work in ministry, supporting each other to grow in our relationship with Christ and the church to enable us to be better witnesses of his love in the world. Let's be better fishers of men together. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this monthly podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Encounter Grow Witness. What happened to morning coffee? What happened to morning coffee?